This, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. I'm your host, Tyler Kern, joined as always by the man, the myth, the legend himself. It's Mr. Greg Crumpton. Greg, how you doing today? Man, I'm doing good. Uh, probably better than I deserve, as I like to say. Uh, every everything is everything's going well. Just coming off the Thanksgiving, you know, having a good good time, had some family and friend time, a little fishing, you know, just, just chilling, a little head cold. Everything that goes with winter, I just got through with. So uh, look, looking forward to today, I was anxious to get back uh, at this. We've got a couple of really cool guests lined up this week, in fact, and uh, we're starting out today with one of them who uh, happens to be a co-worker of mine. Uh, and I think uh, I would put him in the friend category for sure. Uh, just guy, a guy who's done well, who I thought would be somebody really fun to talk with. So uh, drug him along, bribed him, whatever it took. We got him here. So, Well, his name is Stillman Jordan. He is the president at Encon Heating and AC. Jordan uh, Stillman, welcome. Thanks for joining us. I'm glad to be here. I don't care what you call me. It's fine. <laughs> Stillman, I go by all of it. No worries. It, it's it's cool to have a name like that. Um, my name, if you look at my name, it's pretty obvious that Greg is the first name. But I would say ninety percent of the, my friends and coworkers call me Crumpton. And then if you look at Stillman Jordan, you know, you're like, okay, does he go by his first name? You know, so I like that. It gives you a lot of flexibility. So. I get a lot of Stedmans too. You know, Oprah didn't do me any favors by being with somebody <laughs> called Stedman. Well, there you go. But well, Stillman, uh, thank you for taking time with us today. Uh, it, it's you know, as I said when I was just started out, it, it, I love the fact of what I know about your story, um, how you have come into being, uh, you know, someone that I interact with work wise, um, and. Knowing the story of Encon uh, to the degree that I do, I just think that how you fit into that puzzle is really cool. And I know there's a lot of people-centric pieces of that puzzle that had to kind of come together and fit. And part of the straight out of Crumpton uh, ethos is that we talk about how people interact, relationships, work, home, family, how all that kind of juggernaut comes together so uh thank you for taking time with us today and looking forward to a, a good chat so why don't you kick us off with just give us a little bit of history about you how you wound up in the in the hvac wacky world that we live in yeah sure you know it's uh i always tell everybody life's a journey right and the career's a journey too it's uh not always where you think you were gonna land up uh end up you know i was uh I don't know how far back you want to go, but, uh, you know, I was. Well, you're young, Stillman, so it can't be that <laughs> Can't be that far. Uh, really, it was the, uh, the oldest of five. My dad was Air Force and, uh, you know, was the first to go to college. And, you know, my passion for solving problems, I think, really started in, in high school when I was working with some good mentors at the time. And I liked math and didn't know what to do from there. And they said, well, why don't you, why don't you think about engineering? I like math and physics. And so I got into it from there. And so then I went to, went to engineering school 
And at first, I thought I wanted to be an astronaut. I, I was interested in the space program. You know, you go to engineering school, you think of, uh, of you know, solving the big problems. And I like to work with a team and solve problems. And, uh, you know, when, you, when I graduated college, it was at a point in time where they weren't investing heavily in the space program. There weren't a lot of jobs in that. And so, uh, you know, make a, make a long story short, you know, at that point, my, my wife and I, we had a kid. And so I had responsibilities. You know, I had responsibilities. I was the primary breadwinner, even in college. And so my wife, we were sitting around looking at different job opportunities. And she's like, well, you know, I know you want to be an astronaut and everything, but they're not hiring. So you got to get into heating, air conditioning. They, they're hiring. <laughs> they're always hiring. They're always hiring. You talk about a good career. And uh, so I was, I was fortunate, you know, and, uh, you know, when I was, it's funny, you, you talked about, uh, you know, the LinkedIn profile, you talk about resume. Uh, when I was in college to, uh, to help pay the bills, you know, I, 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 my passion was in engineering. But to pay the bills, I, I actually was a furniture sales guy. You know, I sold furniture. And, uh, you know, at the time, you know, I thought I was, you know, I was just selling because I needed to pay the bills. I didn't think that I was gaining valuable skills at the time. I thought it was just something I was doing until I became an engineer. Uh, but it was that uh, I actually had a customer who was at the customer at the furniture store who owned a small engineering company and, you know, built a, a water treatment company who was looking for an engineer and a, uh, and a salesperson to do a sales engineering role with a small organization. And, uh, you know, you talk about relationships, right? One thing leads to another. You're talking about a couch and suddenly they're offering me a job and a, and a chance to actually jumpstart my engineering career. And Stillman, you may be the only engineer I've ever known that got a job on a casting couch. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, you might be right. It's not a common place. It's not a common place to 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 get to be at a job interview. But you know, it, it's like I said, life's a journey. It takes you all sorts of different places. So you know, you asked the, and I'm giving you the long-winded way of how I got to Encon, but. Uh, you know, there was a small, a small company. And back then they didn't, uh, so I worked for there for a couple of years. It was a great company, uh, but they didn't have health insurance. It was a five person company and I had a growing family. And so a lot of my inspiration is, is my wife, my wife, Jenny, we married for, we just celebrated our anniversary, you know, eight, 17 years last week. And, uh, and, you know, she's, we need health insurance. So we're going to have to jump in with a larger organization and uh, so once I, I finished up my bachelor's degree and uh, I got into uh, got into consulting. So I left I went from furniture sales to small uh, chemical engineering manufacturing to consulting. And uh, that's when I really got heavy into heating, air conditioning design and the sustainability movement. And I got my license and then started to you know, work in the engineering world. But that was with a huge, very large. Uh, nationwide consulting firm, wonderful company, had a great experience there. Really liked my my bosses and, and really enjoyed the heating XC consulting side. But it was too big. I went from a small company 
you know, three or four people to thousands of people nationwide. I feel like I overcorrected a bit. Gotcha. And then, uh, you know, but my, my, I really wanted to management opportunity. I wanted leadership opportunity. And with a big, large, established company, they really I, I constantly felt like I was banging my head against that ceiling. You know, you apply for a managerial post and they're basically, if the, if the answer is, you know, come back when you've got 10, 15 years experience, then we'll consider you for a, you know, management leadership opportunity. That was really frustrating to me. And so, you know, the classic story, recruiter calls you on, on a, on a, on a tough day uh, when you're irritated. And uh, I said, Hey, you know, you interested in a different opportunity. And I said, well, you know, at, at that point, uh, I wanted leadership opportunity. I wanted uh, my, my father-in-law is a, it was a pipe fitter, a mm. pipe fitter for his career. And so it was always involved in the trades and it was funny. Um, he was not happy when he found out that his daughter was getting married to an engineer, he hated engineers. She's like, engineers are the worst. <laughs> he was a contractor. Engineers just make his life hell. And, uh, and so it's, I had to win him over, uh, over a period of time. But uh, anyways, over the years, getting to know, getting to know him, uh, learning about contracting, learning about the value of the trades. Um, when I was ready to make a career change, I said, I wanted leadership opportunity and I wanted to be at a design build contractor somewhere where I could use my design skills, actually see it built. And I wanted a medium sized company. I'd done the small, I'd done the large. And, uh, and so that's where I got to meet Chris and Bill, the owners of Encon. And it goes back 10 years ago. And uh, you just got, you started talking. You know, you in this podcast, I listened to a few episodes. You know, you talk about the importance of relationships. And so at that point in time, I was with a consulting firm in Texas talking to two owners up in Connecticut. And, you know, it's to, to Chris and Bill's credit, you know, got to know them uh, over phone. You know, what, what, what's career aspirations? Where do I want? What do I want to accomplish? What am I good at? What am I weak at? Uh, what, what are the challenges of the business? And, and over a few, you know, over a few phone calls, over a few weeks, finally, you know, Bill says, all right, Stillman, we've been talking for a while. We like each other. Why don't you bring your wife up and let's see if you actually want to, you know, make a make a career change, come up to Connecticut. And uh, at that point, it was uh, there were no no commitments. It was just uh, the NCON was a good deal smaller at that point, and uh, you know they, they were growing and growing with engineering and growing with their energy group, and they just knew that they needed somebody to help inject, you know, to take it to that next level. And uh, no promises were made other than opportunity. And uh, that's that's all I was looking for, right? I was looking for a company that was growing and and people that were going to give you a real shot. And so uh, I packed up. I told my wife, I said, hey, you know, she she got to meet them. And they, you know, and I said, uh, we said, are we doing this thing? And we packed up the U-Haul, threw our two kids in the back seat, And we drove from Texas to Connecticut, all in on this company called Encom. And that was 10 years ago. Well, I would say that that was a successful uh, gamble on your part. Well, you, you talk about reading people and you talk about, you know, uh, aligning goals and, and yeah, no, it definitely, uh, I'm very thankful, incredibly thankful for the opportunity. I mean, and that's, that's a lot of what we talk about here at Encon about why we exist. You have lots of different companies that say they exist for different reasons. 
you know, our, our mission statement, our, our why is to provide stability and opportunity. I mean, that's what I found in NCON. That's what I found in the trade. It's that combination of both. And I think that you guys do that for both your, your employees and your customers. You know, you, you provide stability all the way around. And it seems to be well balanced, you know, looking at it, you know, yes, I'm connected to NCON arm's length. So I get a little bit of behind the curtain look, but looking at it holistically, you guys really seem to have a good balance, you know, of how you take care of your people and and how you interact with the public, uh, your customers, your, your, your perception. You know, I'll never forget, Stillman, um, I don't I don't remember if I met you before this trip, but I, I definitely remember meeting you on this trip. I went up for the first time and um it it was uh one of the early mornings and I don't know, I got up early and went to a Dunkin' Donuts close by to the office. And I sat there and was having coffee, working in my notebook a little bit. And I keep seeing these incon vans come and it looked like a freaking swarm on this Dunkin' Donuts because it was near the office. So everybody was coming there, getting their stuff and then heading to the office for a meeting. I just remember thinking, wow, man, you're talking about uh, well uh, identified name recognition in that area. If people don't understand who Incon is in this area, they're missing the boat somehow. But I just remember that very uh, awe-inspiring moment of how many darn vehicles y'all had on the road and how well marked they were. Yeah, hundred and hundred and fifty vehicles in a you know out of one office is a lot. So yeah. we have a meeting. It's it's a swarm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a cool swarm. I enjoyed it, but it was definitely a swarm. So you, you moved up, you know, you took the, the wife and, and the youngins and took a little bit of a gamble, moved up with these two guys from Connecticut who are both a trip in their own way. I know both of them. Uh, it's like I, when I think of them, I think about Oscar and Felix from the Odd Couple. Uh, that's my, you know, mental way of I think about Chris and Bill being different. Uh, it worked really well for so long. Um, so here comes, you know, and not to, to be overly cliche, but, you know, we're bringing in younger and, and uh, people that want to be with the organization and want to grow with the organization. So you and John are kind of getting a, a shot of, of like being the next iteration of the leadership uh, of Incon. So you inherited uh a really stable, really deep company is the word that I want to use um, both in in your integrity and in your public uh, image. What do you, what do you see, Stillman? How do you, how do you blossom the flower when it looked to be in full bloom? How do you give it that extra pop, you know, or how do you keep it fertilized to to you know, I know you want to enhance it. You want to add your own flavors, but it's also a beautiful rose already. So, you know, I'm sure that there's a little bit of a balance of how much how much Stillman Jordan do we bring, and how much nurturing of of the past do we do we embrace? 
What, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's definitely a, a very delicate balance and something that, that you know, not just me, but, but we struggle with. You know, you do have to honor the past. The business has been here for over 50 years, like you said. So I've been doing it for, for, for not that, uh, been president here, what, for maybe a month or two? <laughs> so <laughs> you definitely, you definitely want to, you, you have to honor what got the business here. But you also have to know that, that you know, the world is constantly changing. We're in a highly competitive industry. So you have to bottom and weave with the changes. Uh, I'd say that the, the key to, to, you know, I'll say not just my success and con success, having, having a great team. I mean, you know, the, the average tenure, you know, so far, yes, John and I are the president and executive vice president, but, you know, we have a senior leadership team of, of, of nine people who have, you know, I think the average tenure is, is 20 years, you know, some longstanding people. And, and, and it really does take a team. You've got guys like myself. It's funny. I've been here 10 years. They still call me the new guy. That's okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll wear that. I'll wear that proudly, but you have to listen to the people who got us here. And there's a lot of those people who are on my team right now. Uh, you can't be arrogant and you have to know as a leader, you got to know when to listen to your people and say, this is, this is, we, we can't lose this. This is important. You know, right. for example, that focus on that customer experience matter for double the size 30 years from now or triple the size, four times the size. You got to be laser focused on the customer and the employees. You don't have people that really want to work for you. You're not going to go anywhere. So there's some things that are always going to always be constant. You have to, and that, that team helps. I say the team, our team helps keep me grounded. I get it. I can get, I can get excited about this new thing. And you have to know when to push. We need to stretch a little bit, guys, to go for that next thing. And we need to shut up and listen. And, and that's something that, that I do as well. I like to think that we try to do. Well, you know, I, I think that the, the team you have in place, there's one guy up there that I worry about, the CFO guy. He, he's kind of scary around the edges. But, um, <laughs> you're going to have to, now you're going to have to have him listen to it. So he knows that you're making, you're giving him a hard time. I, I will tell him and all of his friends to listen to it. But they're, they're, uh, Eric, you know, he, he's, he's such a good guy who, I knew of before I knew of Incon uh, because, and, and I bring this up because um, Eric and I share a friendship with a, a fella, uh, Jim Leone, and um, he's a Connecticut guy, HVAC guy. And that the, when I told uh, Jim that we were acquiring uh Incon, and you know, I, I was looking forward to learning about the company and what have you. Somebody that I trust, Jim Leone, said, "You know, those guys are as solid as you can get." And when you have uh, when you have a reputation like that through fellow contractors, you know, I won't call them competitors because they're they're now in Southington back in the day. Uh, he was, and I, I think that that mutual respect really speaks to what kind of company you guys have built there. You know, it's not, uh, you know, I know a million companies around the country that, you know, are, are they're in the HVAC business, but you don't necessarily want to do business with them kind of people. But then there's also, and, and I'm sure this is within any industry, there's the people that you feel like you can trust because they're referred to 
and referred by friends. And when you when you know that the integrity is there, it's always so will uh, or so refreshing. Like when I got to go there, I knew the story in one ear. I read it, you know, through the service logic eyes on the other. But when you get to live it and see it, it's really cool to see that the chemistry. And I think you spoke to it really well that, you know, it's steeped in history, but you also always have to be tweaking the edges. Uh, I I love the way you describe that. It's really cool. Um, So, you know, you you said uh, off the cuff, if, if we're three times or four times the size, what what do you think about and how do we as an industry, not necessarily as a company, how do we continue to get young people excited about joining our industry, Stillman? I know you and I both share the passion of we've got to have more people. Uh a little bit for opposite reasons. You have to have more people because you've got a P&L to keep everybody happy with. And I'm at a point in my career where I want to do it because I want to make sure that we're instilling the right qualities in our technicians and understanding that it's more than math and science. It is the soft side. It is understanding Stillman's role. You know, if, if you're a guy... Take, take your father-in-law, for example. You, you brought him up. And a lot of pipe fitters in the field, you know, yeah, the engineer's a pain in the butt because he wants us to reroute it this way or run the pipe this way, whatever. But there's understanding the position of the owners or leadership or your project manager, whomever, understanding their role in the organization is just as important as running pipe, running duct, or, or, you know, working on a refrigeration system. And I think it's important that we teach those skills, those softer skills as well, uh, you know, to our young folks coming in or our seasoned folks moving careers. How do you, what are some of your ideas and how are you guys helping replenish the technical uh, plethora basket. Yeah, I mean, it's getting people to come into the trades and then involving them once they're in them is a whole is, is a whole challenge. Um, I think it's it's really it, I think it's a macro problem, you know. And I'll point to I think it's a generational thing. You know, when I was growing up, it was you know go to college, go to college. That's how that's how you don't break your back. That's how you don't you know you don't have to to to, to do the hard work that, that, you know, that I had to do. You hear that, you hear that from your, your parents and your grandparents. That's, it's a cultural thing. Um, I think the industry has done a lot to make it safer, right? I think that's a big part of it. I think that for a long time, I think the trades got a bad rap for that's where you got hurt. And then, you know, you, you break your body down. Uh, so I, I think that the, in a lot of ways, the industry has made huge improvements. And Greg, you're the safety guy, you know, you're the, the safety guy across that organization. Look at the time and investment that companies are putting into making sure that people get safe. Home. You know, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, it wasn't that way. So I think that there's a there's a, you know, a quality of life dynamic there. Um, you know, you also look at the the amount of paid time off, the the, the great life, the great compensation as being paid for people in the trades, you know, you can really, you can have the American dream as a tradesman today. I was just going to add with, with no debt, 
You know, we, that's right. We've done that. College, college debt. You know, we've we've heard a lot this year about whether it be for uh, being forgiven at some level by the government or what have you, and just all the politics around it. Um, regardless of your politics, it's a it's a big number. You know, if you're in college and you and you have to figure out how to pay for it. Yeah. So you asked about how you do it. I mean, it's, it, I think it's going to be hearts and minds. I mean, this year I did a, uh, you know, with my, my, my youngest is a middle schooler and we did a career day where they invited people to come in. And, you know, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I went, you know, it's like, Hey, this is, you got to start there. These are middle schoolers. And you have to talk about how the trades are a great viable option. You don't have to force, you don't have to force every kid or every person that, that doesn't want to go into into college or to do that, that the trades are a great option. And it's, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a marketing PR thing. I mean, that's, you know, guys like yourself, you're doing podcasts, you know, you're out there trying to talk about the benefits of it. Uh, we need to, it's a, it's up to us as business leaders to make sure that we honor our word. You talked to me, you said earlier, you, you said, uh, have credibility, have integrity, do what you say you're going to do. Um, always protect the employee. Always, always, always. Make sure we live up to it. Never ask somebody to do something that's unsafe. And as long as we as an industry continue to be better, and I think we can honestly look somebody in, in there, you know, look up, look at parents. You know, that's one of the things. Go, go to one of these, these technical high school where the parents are there, the parents with the kids. You're looking at the mom and dad saying, let, let your kid come work here and spend the next 30 to 40 years, and we're going to take care of them. you got to meet them. And so I think as long as we continue to provide that great quality of living to, to keep people safe, and then it's just about education. I think it's, it's going to change. I love the, the, the part about, A, the, the middle school uh, is not too early in my mind. I don't think anything's too early um, as far as exposure goes. You know, obviously different levels of exposure, but a friend of ours, uh, has a comic book for kids up in Canada. You know, she's in the construction industry, Jamie McMillan, and she has a comic book, you know, so you start these kids early thinking about ironworking and putting beams together and, you know, stuff that, that they may not have been exposed to without some of that curriculum. Um, I think that to your point about the parents, it's so important. Um, I was, I was, you know how I am still, Miss. I'll jump around a little bit here, but um, I was watching the news recently about these tragic, uh, tragic situation up in Idaho, where these kids were killed at the college campus or, or near the college campus, and um, there was a very, you know, manly, burly-looking dude on there, uh, a parent that came to get his son out of college and take him home because he didn't feel safe with his kid at that college at this time due to the lack of, really the lack of information that is being able to be re released due to the investigation. But I was just thinking, you know, if it were a mom on there taking her daughter home or a single mom taking her son home. That was a different message to me of how I saw it versus this mountain man going to get his kid 
And what that did to me, it made me realize that no matter what the parent may or may not look like or do or what their occupation is, the kid's importance is of the utmost supreme thing regardless. You know what I mean? Like that was just like, a, a, it was just an eye opener for me to see this this mountain man coming down to get his kid out of that school because he wasn't safe. And it was just reiterating to me that, you know, the child's safety was the most important thing. And when you just said that uh, about looking you know, at the parents sitting there and you're telling them, hey, let us take care of your kid for the next career or their only career. Um, that kind of struck me the same way. You know, their parents and I'm not a parent, so I, I learn a lot as I go. Uh, I've tried to adopt Tyler, but he won't he won't commit. Um, but um it, it really it just brought it home for me when you said that because we are asking a lot of uh, of kids and and therefore they're going to ask a lot of their parents to help guide them and this is a time where people are spooked about a lot of stuff you know there's a lot of spookiness going on out there for a lot of reasons so uh, I think that's really well said. Well, I think you, you, you circle back to, to you know, I'll, I'll pick on Incon's mission here, stability and opportunity. You know, where you, you have to, if you're going to, and this is what I talk about when I talk with, with parents, your, your, your kids, you're trying to help guide your kids and what their future is going to be. And there's a lot of uncertainty out there on the horizon. You talk about one, instant, one issue right now, one, one issue and tragic. There's a whole slew of things on the horizon that is a people we have to be prepared to deal with. And, uh, you know, you're always going to need, as long as we have humans that have some, some, some income, you're going to need to be comfortable and, and you're going to need to be, you know, the, the increasing importance of indoor air quality and, and the, the impact that has on our lives. Um, you're always going to have this. And so if you're going to build a skill and you're going to build something and you want that stability and opportunity, you know, as I say all the time, it's it's funny. If you want stability, you know, if you if you were an employee and starting your career out, and all you wanted was stability, what's the most stable organization you can think of, Greg? Where you're always going to have a job, no matter what. What do you think? HVAC. <laughs> Get out of the field. What besides HVAC? But you, let's say you didn't care about opportunity. You didn't really. You didn't really. Your income wasn't really big. You just wanted the most stable job you could think of. Um, working at the post office. There you go. I just drive by. That's it. Yeah, I'd say that's it. You know, most people think the most stable job is up. Now, do you have a lot of opportunity to grow your income and, and, and you know, really, you know, take care of your family long term at the post office? Do you really, really have that to build that big house you want in the future? Do you have that opportunity at the post office? Oh, as grumpy as my guy is, probably not. Yeah, most government jobs are not known for being, you know, the, the highest, you know, earnings opportunity. So then you look at the other app at the other end of the spectrum, right? You say, all right, if, if you don't care about stability and all you want is to maximize your earnings, I don't care about it. I just, I want to make as much money as I can today. What types of careers, what kind of jobs should you go into? Well, I'm, I'm going to invest into uh, FTX or DTX. <laughs> right. Day traders, stock traders. The, my favorite one I ever heard is like, well, I'll just be a bank robber, right? That's a good way to do it. If you don't care about, you don't care about stability, 
And so, you know, and so there, there's lots of options, you know, on both ends of the spectrum. And, and, you know, the reason I landed here at Encon is I found it was one of those rare places where you do both. You know, I talk about the and. It's not stability or opportunity. It's both together. No or involved. Yeah. There's no Good or. Yeah. And what you do have is you have hard work, right? You're going to work for it. But it's you're, you're bringing value. The hard work brings value, which is what people are going to pay for, which is what brings the stability. It's all together. It all works together. But that's the people you want anyway that want to work hard. You know, there's people that want to work hard and there's people that don't. And I, I think that people who, and I say want to, I, I mean, there's people in, I, I like to work, you know, I enjoy what I get to do. Uh, so it's not, a, I don't feel like I'm going to work. I feel like I get to work. Um, so the more folks you can find that enjoy what they do and, you know, one, one thing you mentioned about indoor air quality is, is a thing and human comfort. There's also a tremendous opportunity in our ever increasing uh, data center, AI environments, healthcare. There's so many freaking things that you can do within the HVAC arena that I think we haven't done a great job of educating the world about either. You know, I've got a friend who's working on putting a colo, a, a co-location data center in the freaking cloud, literally, like orbiting, orbiting the earth. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a thing. You'll have to check it out. But, you know, I've talked to him about cooling the electronics in deep vacuum, you know, and there's just a lot of things that, that are out there that, are intriguing, I think, to younger people, especially when they hear it. Like, you know, a lot of people go home and they do gaming. Well, what's driving that engine to allow them to do gaming and compete with their worldwide competitors in real time is a big old fat data center somewhere that's sucking up all that power. It's got to be, you know, uh, the heat's got to be collected and discharged into the environment. So I think when we can start talking about what HVAC is in general, I think it opens us up to a whole new vein of, of mindset, uh, of people's mindsets as well. So, Yeah, I mean, I talked to you at the beginning. I, originally, I thought I wanted to be an astronaut and I was not super intrigued about the heating air conditioning world. And it wasn't until I got into it and really started to, to like you said, hit all the different parts of it where I got sucked in, I was hooked. You know, yeah. But I think that there's a public relations marketing challenge slash opportunity there where we have to educate people on what it is that's actually involved. That's why you got guys like this, uh, like Tyler, right? That's their job. Exactly. And they do right. a fabulous job. The market scale people have embraced HVAC like no other. I have learned a lot about HVAC, actually. <laughs> so, you hang you out know. with Compton long enough, you're going to learn all sorts of things, man. Oh yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. So, someone, can I go back to something way, way back in the conversation? But you talked about how kind of part of the secret sauce of growth for you guys has been listening to your your people. I think a lot of companies would like to say that they listen to their people, but normally what that means is uh, lower level grumbling just eventually makes its way up higher and higher up the food chain, right? So. How have you guys put into place different ways of listening to your employees that leads to productive conversations and really understand 
where they're coming from and, and, and that sort of you know, there are a few, there are a few like uh, a column, you know, mechanisms to use, you know, you have a, you have a, a you know, a, we'll call it an every other year survey, but that's really not where, you know, I think that's an anonymous survey. They give you some information there, uh, but I think where it really matters is where you build those trusting relationships, you know, as a, as a leader, you really have to, you have to have an open door policy. We're big on it. If I see somebody with their door closed all the time. I actually, we have a conversation with them. So you need to be approachable. You need to, you need, you need to, you know, but more than that, um, you have to create a culture of an environment where people feel comfortable sharing what's going on, you know, when there's mm -hmm. a problem and, you know, can you call them, call them your trusted people, call them your listening posts, um, people that, you know, and as a leader, you can't come down on it, right? You have to, you have to, you have to, you have to, you can't be somebody brings you bad news. You can't just whack them or say, shut up, go away. That's, you're, you have to you have to say thank you. And it's really hard as a leader. It's really hard to hear some really challenging information and say, yeah. thank you for bringing that to my attention. Because what's that mean? It means you got more work. You got more things to do, uh, but you have to do it. You know, you have to be we call it that. That's uh, I talk about it pretty often. That servant leadership mindset. Mm -hmm. Right. The employees are there to serve the customer. The managers are there to feed, to serve the employees. The leadership are there to serve freaking everybody. And so you have to <laughs> you have to live it. And uh, and to where somebody wants to give you that, whether it's whether it's an idea to grow the business that you you really you, you inject or or uh, ways to to solve problems. You know, our growth has really been about taking care of the customer. And then the customer takes you all sorts of places. They tell their friends, they bring others along. And so, you know, having good feedback on issues your employees, your customer having is the best way I find to grow the business. Mm -hmm. Great question, Tyler. I think that Stillman, to your point about surveys, they, they tend to be overdone and under scrutinized from the, the ones that I've participated in anyway. Um, I think they're really valuable if, if the information is given without fear of retribution. Uh, you know, some people are scared to put their name on something uh, because of the retaliatory practices um, or they're anonymous, which you don't know sometimes which group to help because you can't identify who needs it. Um, but your, your listening post or your sentinels out there are key. You know, you, you've got this, uh, un, informal, unnamed group of advisors that, you know, if, if Sarah walks up to you and tells you something, she knows That's right. know, it's, Absolutely. it's not. It's not that Sarah's going to come to you with some BS. She's going to bring you something that needs to be addressed. Um, it may be uh, a different piece that that Bob brings you, and you know Bob's just Bob. You know you have to be able to to use your your EQ and figuring out you know how to address these pieces of feedback. And I think that's the beauty of. Uh, you know, you said it a while ago uh, without saying it, but you're maturing into a role. We, as we mature into our roles, 
of being able to say thank you. Uh, thank you, sir. May I have another when you really don't want another. But um, <laughs> it's the only way to get better. And, and that's you know, there, there's a gentleman in Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, I'll call him by name, Gary Smith. He's a friend. He's been a customer for a long time. And I told Gary after I sold the company, you know, to service logic and took a different role, I told Gary point blank, you know, he was a, a pain in the butt as a customer, but he made us better. You know, he made us uh, focus on the things that customers needed to be focused or, or that we needed to be focused upon to help customers do their job better. Gary wasn't just busting our chops, you know, for no reason. He was busting our chops because he needed to make sure his crap was in order. So for his crap to be in order, we needed to tweak how we were doing it. And I really appreciate that. Uh, at the time, you don't, you know, you're like, Jesus, Louise, this what, you know, you're, you're, you're jumping through a hoop or you're whatever you're having to do in that moment. But at the end of the show, if you're listening and you're adjusting and you keep a client like we, we have with Gary for years and years and years, you do that by adjusting, you know, and listening because their needs are changing as much as ours. You know, we talked about our industry changing. All industries are changing. Uh, his industry happens to be commercial real estate management. And Obviously, that's changed over the last decade and uh, over the last 36 months, uh, probably more so than over the last 36 years of what they've had to do differently. So if you're able to do that and listen, um, you know, I, I think that that helps you retain your current your customers confidence in you that you're not just getting deaf and blind to their needs. It's, I think it's very similar between customers and employees. You got to mind for that conflict. I think the worst, the worst thing for whether, you know, for an employee, an employee gets frustrated with you. It feels like, you know, listen, they're just going to quit and you're not going to, you're not going to get that valuable information. Same thing with, same thing with a customer. Customer's willing to give you, to yell at you. And oftentimes there's yelling at you, yell at you for five minutes. They're going to give you the real story. And you know what? You have to thank them. Thank you for giving me that feedback because now I can be better. As long as they're not complete, you know, jerks about it or not, you know, swearing at your, your, your people and not being verbally abusive. But if they're giving you your feedback, like you said, that pain in the ass customer, you got to You got to say thank you. Same thing with your employees. You got to and more than that, you have to mine for it. You have to, you know, the number of times I walk through the building and you get the uh, how's it going today? Oh, it's going all right. That's not that's not enough. You, gotta you better stop and dig. <laughs> you better stop and dig. Because most people, they don't want to be, most people don't want to be whiners, right? They don't want to, they don't want to be the complainer or they don't want to get anybody in trouble. There's this perception out there that I don't want to say something because that person over there that I care about, I'm mad at them, but I care about them. I don't want to get them in trouble. So I'm not going to say anything. So you, you, you build that trust by asking the question, listening, and then acting on it and do, do what you say you're going to do. Right. It builds credibility. One of my favorite folks uh, to follow is Tom Peters. And I have for years followed Tom Peters. And one of his, uh, you know, 
cornerstones is management by wandering around and uh, MBWA. And, you know, he's been a proponent of it since I've started reading the guy's work, um, I guess, in the early 90s uh, when I was figuring out what I wanted to do. Um, he was one of the people that I really leaned on to learn different techniques because, you know, I'm, I'm not an educated person on people. You know, I've, I've self-educated uh, to the probably some people would say, yeah, you need some more education. But, um, you know, to the degree that I've gotten, I've gotten it myself by, by self-educating. But that management by wandering around or by walking around, whichever you prefer, is so true. You know, you've got to be able to walk through the sheet metal shop or walk through the job site and you're listening and watching for clues. Uh, you're walking through payroll, you're walking through whatever, and you've got to be able to read the crowd. Yeah. And if, if you're the guy or the girl that says, Hey, how's it going? And somebody says, Oh, it's fine. All right. If you don't stop and say, what the hell does fine mean? Something's wrong. Yeah, I think that one of the things that, you know, not just me, I think the whole world is struggling with. How do you do that with the remote workforce? How do you yeah. do that with, if, you, if they're not in the office, right? Or even with our, work, with our workforce now, right? We have, we have technicians. They're not in the building right now. Right. You know, 80% of the, whatever, 70% of the NCON employees are not physically in this building. Right. So it's something we're still working through now. And I'm, I'm not sure we have a great answer for it. How do you take the temperature of people who are not here, who go right from their house to the work site or some employees that work, work remote, work from their home. You know, Tyler's working at home right now. Tyler's having a bad day. I don't know how you'd know it. <laughs> and I think that- but you uh, know it, all right. He'd be chewing us out right now. Well, maybe he would. <laughs> but you know what? Why would he do that, Greg? He'd do that because you have a relationship, right? You got trust. So he would actually tell you. And it's it's one of the big one of the one of the big challenges, and 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 I don't think we have the answers yet. You know, you, you try things like uh, you try things like surveys. You talk, you 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 try to have. It's one of the big things we're doing right now is supervisor training. Right, we have two hundred sixty yeah. employees, so I, I certainly can't be everywhere. The senior leadership team can't be everywhere. So it's really it's a, it's a, it's you have your employees and you have the supervisors. Yeah. And last year we really tried to invest heavily. And supervisor training, how do you teach people that they have to, how to do that? Because they are probably the best shot a company has at trying to stay somewhat connected to a distributed workforce. We're not, you can't do that management while walking around. And uh, what's the what's the minimum number of times you should try to call someone? How much can you tell over a phone? You know, nobody wants to be on Zoom calls all the time. So it's an interesting challenge. But, you know, still, and I, and, and I, you mentioned earlier the safety crowd that I, I try to help uh, stimulate here at the company. It, the, the, the thing about it, and I tell our group all the time, safety guys and gals, are we good? Yeah, we're pretty good. Are we getting better? Yeah, we're always working you know, to get marginally better. The key is that we give a crap and that we're trying. And I think that that says so much about what you're doing. There's never going to be the magic bullet of how to take the temperature of 120 remote workers, 150, whatever the number is. There, there's nothing. There's a mixture. There's always going to be a hybrid. 
Some people respond better to in-person. Some people are good with the touch. Some people want to meet for lunch. Some people want to do breakfast. Some people want you to go to their kid's ball game. There's always going to be that. But I think that you win at the end of the day uh, because you're thinking about it and that you're trying different techniques. Who loses are the people that walk by when somebody says, oh, it's fine. That's your loser. And they're going to lose the employee, too, to somebody like you who gives a crap. And it's who is trying different techniques and who is exploring and thinking about how to connect with my people. You're, you're going to win in the end by trying, because if you have enough tentacles of the octopus out there, you're going to touch enough people. Yeah, I think a big part of it's remaining humble. I mean, it's something we try to talk about. You know, you, you appreciate the kind words about us being a strong brand and us having a strong presence. And, you know, I, I, I do my best to to try to wipe that, you know, be proud of what we've built, but also continue to be humble and humble with, with dealing with employees, humble with dealing with customers. Uh, always have that doubt, you know, what could I be doing to be better? You know, the OE and it's, you know, it's, it's funny. We talk about it. We talk about it all the time. You know, we, we spend most of our time as a leadership team talking about our problems. You know, if you were to sit in one of my, one of our, one of my leadership team meetings, you'd think, wow, this, this company's having a rough go right now. Right. Like, Let's do them talk about all the problems. But, uh, but every once in a while, we got to pull ourselves out of the, out of the trees and look at the forest and say, guys, this is what right looks like. This is what success looks like always trying to be better, never really being comfortable with what you're doing and just and, and always, always pushing it, always pushing it. And it's, it's tough to reset. Well, that, I embrace the Kaizen lifestyle. I got it on my wrist, you know, continuous improvement. You do something, you measure it, you tweak it, you measure it, you tweak it. You know, you're always looking for that little bitty incremental grain. And to my point, you guys care. You're you're talking about how to get better. Most people, you know, they're they're well, I say most people, there's a I don't know if this is a proper terminology or not, but an assload of people out there that don't try. You know, they're just doing their thing and hoping for the best. Um, you guys don't sit idle, you're on it. So Big, big ups for you. You know, it, it takes a village. It, it's not, it's not, it's not one thing. It's not one person. We started at the top by talking about the history of the company and, and what got us here. And, and, you know, it's, it, it takes, you know, people, it takes that whole, the whole leadership team to be able to pull that off. And, you know, we we're big on the, uh, the five dysfunctions of a team. You've heard that one. I think it's oh, yeah. the, Patrick Lencioni. I think it's a, I think it's this one's business canon here. But, uh, you know, building, having that, uh, you know, that, that trust starting with the foundation to where you can have those hard conversations. That's where it starts. And having, you know, you can't have fear of conflict. And then in our meetings, there's plenty of it. Well, I, I, you know, have to tell you, the eight years that I've been watching it have been uh, fun and, and enjoyed it and um, look forward to, to your continued success and, and your new role and, and what you guys are, are doing. It's fun. Uh, it's exciting. And I'm proud for your people. I'm proud for the, for the employees and your customers. So 
but because they're not going to get the same old, same old, they're going to get, you know, and I won't say Incon 2.0, I'm going to say Incon Forever.0 because you're continuously looking at what you're doing. So um, good stuff. Well, Tyler, uh, as usual, I did it. I looked down and I was like, what? I can't believe that our time's up um, already. Uh, there, there's this. This is so intriguing to me of how, you know, we were talking about service logic, uh, how we can have so many really, really high performing companies, and each one has their own flavor and their own personality. And you know what Stillman's been able to tell us about Incon is one story, but it's got a common theme across our platforms, but they're all unique. And I really appreciate uh, him being able to describe their culture to us so well. And Stillman, I really appreciate you taking time with us and uh, coming on and talking about it. It's really cool to learn more. Glad to do it. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, we'll, we'll continue to, to watch your uh, recruitment, you know, um, and if you ever need uh, an old guy to come up there and show them what an old guy in the industry looks like, count me in. <laughs> you always have an open invitation, Greg. Well, I appreciate that. So, well, Tyler, uh, as we said, we're, we're there. Um, busy, busy day for everybody. I know you've got a really important date here in about three hours. Uh to watch the, the soccer match or a football match, as we like to say in Dallas, uh, of the USA versus Iran and seeing how we do. Uh, so best of luck to you on that today. Thank you. I am uh, internally losing my mind uh, already and we're two hours away from kickoff. So yeah, I'm just gonna try to compose myself for this thing. And uh, you know, people people listening to this already know how this turns out, right? So uh, I'm sure people are laughing at me for my nervous energy or uh, sympathizing with me because it doesn't go well. I don't know, but anyways, you know, we'll uh, we'll see how this goes. But uh, but Stillman, thank you again for for joining us today, man. And uh, yeah, look forward to to catching up with you again. In the- All right, see you, Greg. Thanks again for another good episode, buddy. No, I enjoyed it. Looking uh, looking forward to some more. Well, I think we've got another one booked tomorrow. We're doing so. Uh, Back Just to a back. couple of couple of quick back to backers. So uh, good for you, and uh, thank you for accommodating us into your schedule, sir. Anytime, anytime for you guys. Well, hey everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. Stay tuned for more episodes. You can always find us on gregcrumpton.com or on Apple or Spotify. But until next time, for Tyler, for Greg Crumpton, I'm Tyler Kern and Stillman Jordan. We'll talk to you next. Time.